I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there, and welcome to Game Changers, a personal branding and business podcast about extraordinary people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Erin May Henry, and my mission is to help entrepreneurs become known online so that they can share their message with more people and build the empire that changes their lives. On this podcast, I interview up-and-coming thought leaders so that together we can teach you the tools and strategies you need to take the next step on your own personal branding journey. Covering everything from money to mindset, social media to speaking, and confidence to content, Every episode will leave you empowered and full of ideas on how you can shape your industry rather than just be a part of it. Now, let's get into today's Game Changer chat. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Game Changers. I'm honestly so excited about today's episode. I don't know if you can feel the vibes through your speakers, but I literally, literally, literally cannot wait to share this interview with you today. The person that I'm speaking to is someone who's actually inspired me for quite some time. I had the pleasure of meeting them many, many moons ago back in the quote unquote fitness days of my own uh, entrepreneurial career, you could say, more like when I was just doing the bikini body guide and making videos about it on YouTube. But nonetheless, I had the pleasure of meeting this person and have followed them ever since. So today I'm going to be speaking to Sarah Holloway, who is the founder and CEO of a company here in Australia called Matcha Maiden, one of the leading companies here in Australia for matcha green tea powder. And the amazing thing is this is not Sarah's only business. She is also the founder and part owner in Matcha Milk Bar, which is honestly, if you ever come to Melbourne, one of the most delicious places to eat. I've been there a few times and I always leave extremely satisfied. She's also the host of the Seize the Yay podcast, which is a podcast that really dives deep into discovering the difference between success and happiness, which is something I actually speak to her about because it wasn't a concept I am aware of, but it is something that you definitely, definitely need to hear specifically if you are a goals-driven entrepreneur. So honestly, I could talk about Sarah all day, but why not let her introduce her yours herself? With that being said, let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Game Changers. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to listen to this episode because I am thrilled to have this guest on today. I was had the pleasure of meeting them a long time ago. Well, it feels like a long time ago when they were lovely enough to invite me to one of the events that they were running. And obviously things have grown on both sides of the spectrum here for their brand and mine. And it's just such an honor to be able to reconnect with her today to introduce her to you and to be able to share her amazing, amazing entrepreneurial and branding story. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. What an intro. <laughs> I'll do I would have done an already pre-recorded intro, which obviously everyone listening would have already heard, but I just thought <laughs> how we met. But anyway, um, so for those of you who maybe haven't heard of Sarah before, if you haven't heard of um, her company, which I would have said in the intro, then I would absolutely love, Sarah, if you could give us like the origin story, how did Match Maiden all come to be? Where did you start? We, you know, as I said, you would have started in law. Love to kind of go back to the very beginning and see how all of this amazing stuff came to be. Absolutely. I think um, the best way to describe it, and if you've heard me speak before, you'll probably be like, oh my God, she's saying that same thing again. But I call it a happy accident because it was not planned, not on the radar, all came out of, you know, my my own selfish needs for a product, which I think a lot of, a lot of big businesses ended up, end up starting kind of out of someone just seeing a gap in the market to close for themselves. So I started out on quite a traditional, you know, legal career path. I wanted to be a lawyer. I got into, you know, I studied really hard to get into law. I started law to get into a law firm and then I ended up getting into a really good law firm. So it was kind of, pretty straightforward for the first, you know, seven years of study. And then I spent three years in an international top tier firm and had an amazing time there. I, you know, got to travel. I worked in Hong Kong for a little while. I got to work on lots of amazing deals and lots of different areas. I, I learned a lot, made a lot of really good, you know, relationships and friendships. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Now I look back, you know, a lot of people leave corporate or leave jobs because they're really unhappy, but I actually never got to that stage. I, I definitely felt that parts of my personality were stifled, but yeah. I wasn't kind of, you know, sitting in there going, what else am I going to do? I wasn't looking desperately to, to move on. Um, I thought maybe law wouldn't be forever, but I didn't think the change would come so quickly. So I was still kind of chugging along just like, yeah, make the most of every opportunity that you have. And there's a lot there's a lot that you can do while you're a lawyer. So I just kind of soaked it all up until um, my partner Nick and I went to Rwanda in Africa for a month, which was one of obviously the most life-changing experiences. He has a creative agency called Bushy Creative and he'd been working with YGAP um, supporting their five cent campaign. So we got to visit one of the schools that they'd supported and help build some classrooms and the kids were just absolutely amazing. But unfortunately, I picked up a parasite when I was there and didn't even realise actually until months after I got back when I'd lost a bit of weight, which I thought, you know, I wasn't eating, snacking as much as I normally would when I was over there. Yeah. So I thought, cool, lost a few pounds, like this is nice. And then I just kept shedding weight for months. Like I, I got down, I think I lost 15 kilos and wow. I'm quite slender, you know, so I didn't yeah. really have that weight to lose. Um, and... I was, you know, being an A-type lawyer, I went straight back to work. I, I wasn't really listening to the signs. I just kept working long hours and ended up just completely crashing um, and was just, I had huge panic attacks. You know, my body was just so, so fragile and, and underweight and didn't have the right fuel. And then because I was so skinny, I couldn't eat as, like, eat as much as I needed. And I ended up getting adrenal fatigue from the whole thing and I ended up going to a naturopath. And as part of that, um, recovery process, I was told I couldn't drink coffee anymore. And for me, that was like, you know, at the time, I'm a yeah. wellness person now, but I was not at the time. I was like a black coffee. And oh my God, if someone said that to me today, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, back then it was even more. I was like 10 cups a day kind of girl, you know, yeah. really long days. I was like, every two hours, I can have another long black. Yeah. Um, 
So I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get caffeine? How am I going to work? And then I ended up getting sent to Hong Kong. That's when I um, went to the headquarters over there and spent, I think, seven months working over there, which was absolutely incredible. Such a great place to um, to work and, and meet people and obviously some incredible food over there. So it was quite easy to put the weight back on over there. Yeah. Um, but over there, you know, in Asia, matcha is not a buzzword. It's been around for centuries. It's sort of not really much of a new thing that they're like what this has been around forever so it was really easily accessible and I just got hooked on matcha lattes because I realized there's a form of caffeine that's you know quite strong it's about half half the amount of caffeine that coffee has so you still get quite a good boost of energy but I discovered that it has a unique amino acid in it called L-theanine which makes it slow release into your bloodstream so unlike coffee where you can get like a big spike of energy but then a crash and then you get the jitters with matcha it releases over three to four hours at an even rate so that's how it came about with the Buddhist monks who are the first ones who kind of use matcha in their meditations because it would give them energy to do really, really long hour long meditations and they'd still have energy, you know, into the third and fourth hours. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, wow, there's an answer to my caffeine problem. <laughs> that's, you know, like a healthier form of caffeination. It's much more versatile than, um, you know, normal green tea. And because in a green, the difference between matcha and green tea, you think it's really fancy, but it's actually not. Green tea bags, you steep the bag in the water and then you drink the water, but you throw out the leaves, which kind of doesn't make sense because we drink, you know, kale smoothies, we put spinach and everything. We're trying to get green leafy, you know, leafy greens all the time. Yes, yeah. But we throw out these green tea leaves, whereas matcha is those leaves ground into powder so that you dissolve the leaf in the water and you swallow the whole leaf. So you get 137 times the antioxidants of regular green tea and a lot more, I think it's up to 10 times the nutritional value overall. So there's extra chlorophyll, there's extra, you know, everything to what just a normal brewed tea is. And because it's a powder, if you don't like the taste, it's way more versatile. You can hide it in a smoothie or in bliss balls or, you know, you can do it all, all kinds of things with it. So I got hooked over there. Uh, Nick came over. He stayed with me for a while. He got hooked. He was using it in pre and post workout shakes. We came home, couldn't find it anywhere. It was in T2, but it was about $60 for a tiny tin. So wow. if you wanted it every day, it just wasn't really affordable. Or you could get it in Asian groceries and it would often have sugar mixed in or some kind of flavoring or additive. And no one had really marketed it as a health food product, even though it had these amazing statistics, even though spirulina and other kinds of green powders were going crazy. And the health food market here is quite adventurous. So we were ready for new stuff. No one was really selling it. So we went online found a blend that was affordable, but also organic, but also tasted good. Um, and you could only buy it in bulk. And we were like, oh, my God, we're going to end up with 10 kilos of matcha. That's way too much. So <laughs> why don't we sell some? And it literally started as a way to fuel our own need for matcha and get rid of some of the overkill of 10 kilos that we had to order. So we just thought, why not? Like I had felt... My creative side wasn't getting much time at the law firm. We weren't getting that much time together. You know, we didn't have an excuse to sort of, you know, spend more time together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Nick has a creative agency. So he knocked up the online store and all the branding and the logos and the packaging really quickly. And I could do all the social media and we literally turned it around, I think in maybe two weeks or maybe three. That's and then, crazy. Yeah. And then I think because we didn't think it would be anything, you know, it's almost like, the less you know about how you're going to turn 
out, the better because you can't get scared of it. You just don't think there's any risk because you're like, no, it's not going to go anywhere anyway. So (laughs) um, we just launched and we're like, oh, whatever. You know, if we sell one bag, I can put it on my LinkedIn that I'm an entrepreneur. And if we don't, then (laughs) no one will ever know about it. It's fine. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that perspective so much. And I want to come back to that, but keep going because that is just golden. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, started off just as an online store and Instagram was you know, a lot more friendly at the time. There was, you know, no convoluted algorithm that was changing all the time. We grew a really big audience beyond Australia's boundaries, you know, really fast. Um, It was so easy to target health and wellness interested people because we all just, you know, there was a very small community and and everyone kind of knew who each other was. So we built relationships really early with bloggers who had seen Matra overseas and wanted to try ours. And then we ended up selling out in like a week and it was just like we just had no idea how to even order again because we had no idea it would go that well. And pretty much since then, it just continued to grow and grow. And it, I, like, I think I stayed at the law firm for another six to seven months because I, you know, I wasn't really sure that it was for real or that it wouldn't just be a, a fad and then crash at some point, but it just kept going uh, until I think six months in urban outfitters from the u.s got onto us through instagram and i was like we're a melbourne couple packing in our undies in a garage like how did you find us <laughs> yeah they ordered enough uh i think it was more than we'd sold in total in that six months they ordered in one order and i left my job the next day that is insane. So something that I just think like from my perspective and I guess anyone who follows you, something that it, whether or not it was intentional, something that feels like you guys have done really, really well is having just such a strong brand. It's crazy when you were talking then I was like, do you know how many packets of matcha made and I have in my cupboard? And I was like, I need to obviously replace the coffee. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> I'm like, because every time I'm in a store, I, I just feel like I want to buy matcha made. <laughs> and oh. being able to cultivate really well is like this whole sense of um, just feeling like as a consumer, they're a part of this brand and this vision that you have. And so I guess you're kind of saying a lot of this is a happy accident and it it just really transpired into something amazing. But did you have, like, what was your intention with the brand? What is your vision with the brand? Because it just feels so intentional. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely making a match a laugh day after this. (laughs) I'll have to send you a top up. (laughs) Uh, I think at the beginning it was a happy accident, but once we realised we were onto something, that's when we sort of started to take it a lot more seriously. You know, once we realised that the customers weren't just our family members and friends just keeping buying to make us feel good. We were like, oh, there are strangers buying this. Maybe we're onto something. And because Nick had done a lot of consulting for other startups, you know, he was like, if we're going to get anywhere, it's going to be off the power of our brand because we obviously, we can't compete with, you know, the T2s of the world with the budgets that they have. We have to be known for the feeling that we give people we have to be known for you know our essence it's not just the product like no one has brought out matcha at the time they hadn't but it's not going to be that hard for them to do that so we need to make our mark really early and everything that he does is around brand voice and brand creation and it just happened that I love doing that stuff. Like now, I didn't know at the time, but now I, that's my favorite part of any business. I love helping friends' businesses do that. The voice, the aesthetic, the feeling is my favorite, favorite part. And 
I, you don't even realize as a consumer until you start a business that that's what draws you to the brands that you keep going back to. It's not necessarily just the product. It's the whole experience. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes is, um, I have so many, obviously, but one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite ones is just to interject. Yes. You have to follow Sarah on Instagram. Cause she literally does a quote of the day pretty much every single day. Every time I see it, there's one up there and they are like those quotes that you're like, did my life just change? Like, <laughs> I feel like something just shifted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) They're my favorite. Like it literally just started because I think, you know, at least once a day we need to all dedicate some time to something that creates joy or something that creates motivation and quotes are my favorite way to do that. They're super easy. They're always so much more succinct than when I try and explain a theme. (laughs) Um, I've got a quote for every occasion. So the one that has really stuck with me in the past few years is people will never remember what you did or what you said, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. And I think we all put a lot of emphasis on our actions and what we say, which is obviously important, But if that's separated from the feeling you're trying to create, then it's not actually going to do anything. It won't be as memorable as the feeling that they get. So from the beginning, we were like, what is going to keep people with us? We're first to market now, but when other mattress brands start coming out or big companies start copying us, what if I do want to leave my job and do this forever? Like what is going to build loyalty and a business, particularly because we didn't have a shop front. We were like, people can't come in and experience what we have. We can't talk to them in person. A lot of our customers from very early on were overseas. How are we going to keep them in? So we've just been, I think one of the big things is consistency, making sure that's where you build trust is if you're consistent, if you're on brand. So if very early we wrote down what our values were, what our tone was, you know, how, what kind of audience we were targeting, what brands that we admire that have done it really well things that we thought would be really important. So we thought, you know, having a consistent aesthetic would be really important because Instagram's so visual. And at the time that was our main platform. Um, We needed a bit of humor. We didn't want it to be too serious, even though, you know, a big portion of what we were doing was educational because no one had heard of matcha before. We also didn't want to be too sciencey and talking about L-theanine and antioxidants and stuff. We wanted to have like a humorous, life-loving aspect to it as well and very aspirational like our tagline is there's so much more to life because yes our touch point with people is a healthier form of caffeination that makes them feel good but we want to kind of also share the story that matrimonium has changed our whole lives so you know you too can start a business or you can do you know we want to support our customers in all ways so our content has always been really curated around particular visual a particular feeling always really light and bright um very uplifting and positive we don't really swear that much we um, always have tried to respond to customers directly as you know within 24 hours if we can sometimes 48 hours there's a brand voice it's very casual and and inviting um we send out EDMs. We do little things, I think, like, you know, on birthdays, if someone posts something on their birthday, we'll write them out a handwritten note for the next one. Or if, you know, someone has been the biggest or most frequent orderer in a six-month period, we'll send them out a free bag and a little note to say thank you. There's just so many different things that you can do that most of them actually don't even cost anything to build a brand identity in a world that's just so saturated with lots of different brands. Um, 
and we've just focused on maximizing that as much as we can from very early on. And I think it's really paid off, which is nice. <laughs> I love that so much because honestly, it feels like such a breath of fresh air because my thing, the whole reason why I'm building my business, obviously I want to help people, you know, build their personal brand and spread their message online. But ultimately at the end of the day, my focus, my vision, my value is people. And I really think that we need to build tribe, bring people together and what you just said then is what so many businesses I feel are missing, specifically in my space, which is kind of the online service-based space. But it's, it's realizing that business should be human-centric. I know that a lot of companies and a lot of organizations, like there's so much moving towards, you know, AI or technology. Mm. Uh, what you guys are doing is focusing on the fact that your customers and your followers people they're not numbers they're not dollar signs like it really feels like you guys care and like going the extra mile for that audience and for those customers I think you know obviously I said from the very beginning there's something about match maiden and you your personal brand itself that just makes this sense of welcome like just you feel like you're a part of what you're trying to do here and I think that does come from the fact that you are focused on people Oh, thank you. That it's it's like I mean, I'm sure you know too, to have someone who's been there since the very beginning. I mean, we we connected, you know, so early, like our first year even, to have someone who who's an expert in that actually reflect that back to you. There's nothing more rewarding than that because that's what we've tried to do. It's it's never been, you know, it never has been and never will be a huge corporation. So it's yeah. always we've wanted it to be about the people and the community and we call it the community. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's what makes the business. It's in fact, if anything, because we both started with other jobs, it was all for the love. It was all for the people. So even if, you know, we didn't make any sales, we didn't care. We're like, let's just have an awesome group of people who are united over a really fun product and let's just drink it and make recipes and do yoga on rooftops and have fun together. Like, you give me goosebumps, honestly, because I just love it. But it, it really is like, I, just, I, I don't know if for everyone listening, obviously I, I would love this show to be, you know, speaking to these guests, these amazing guests and hearing their stories, but to really be able to pull out the nuggets of wisdom that they're sharing. So a lot of people listening to this podcast, they are in the pursuit of building a successful brand. And if you can really hear what Sarah's saying, she has a solid voice for her brand, a solid mission for her brand. And ultimately she's focusing on people Knowing that this is coming from a place of joy as well, it just makes it so much more charismatic to watch you guys grow. And I think <laughs> for anyone listening, like that's a big lesson. If you can just have a little more fun with all of this, you know, yeah, okay, reaching the 10K months and the accolades in the business is amazing, but where companies really grow from the heart, like inside out, I think is when you just have fun with like a vision bigger than making money from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously that becomes a factor once you go full time, obviously like if you're going to run a business at all, you need to think about Mm -hmm. your bottom line. And I've increasingly had to learn that I can't avoid the figures forever, even though I did a really good job at that for the beginning, (laughs) because I'm so, it's just not my side of the business. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, at some point I'm going to have to care about this. Um, But I think like it's just it's as important like if you don't have that critical mass of loyal followers who care about what you're doing and who are invested in you then you're not going to get anywhere from a business perspective anyway so yeah I think the businesses who have started out that way community first end up being the ones that do well financially because 
they're not in it to make a quick buck. I think people are so consumers are so discerning these days. It's so obvious things like that stand out so much. Like you can tell a business that's just in it for the dollars and isn't really investing anything back into you as a person. It's just, it, it shows when they're inauthentic or when, you know, they like, I don't know, are inconsistent and they change their messaging or like they post one thing that's, and they've posted something else, you know, that's not consistent with that a couple of months ago, like all that kind of stuff. I think eventually it adds up. You can only sustain it for so long um, before people will realize consumers are so smart these days. They are. And even more so skeptical as well. And why, and surely have the right to be as well, because there is a lot of crap, you know, in the product space, obviously, but you know, in this service space as well, there is a lot of crap. There is a lot of people who are, um, you know, inconsistent over time as you said and changing their message and you could say shiny object syndrome and that's why I love what you've been saying here because the advice I would give from what you'd said to anyone who's in the beginning of starting any type of business product or service know those values from day one know your why what's the bigger mission and how does that affect the people that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis yeah, for sure. I love the shiny object syndrome. Like, <laughs> that's me. I'm like, oh, there's a dog over there, puffy tail. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's in a good way. I'm the same. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, we could talk about dogs all day long. But, <laughs> um, but I guess on this topic of people, I'd love to kind of stay in that track for a second because, again, something that I've also really, really admired watching your journey is your ability to create tribe and to network. So just, you know, as I explained for everyone listening at the beginning, how Sarah and I met was actually, she was lovely enough to invite me to one of her uh, events, which was like a rooftop yoga. It was gorgeous. We met at a a YouTube event prior to that, but how we officially met, you could say. Um, And it was just amazing. (laughs) And I, since that day had it always admired your ability to like bring people together, even for events that followed after that. And I just want to say like, can we go into the really practical tips of how you kind of network and build tribe and, you know, you know, reach out to people? Because I have a lot of people in this community who say, you know, I want business besties or I want to collaborate or I want to network, but I just don't know where to start. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's such a good one. It's so important. I think one of the biggest things that has been important for me is networking before you need it, if that makes sense. So yeah meeting people before you know, you know, I think some people are quite reactive and they're like, oh shit, I need to find blah. So they go find it. And you're so much better off if you've already built a network that might have the skills that you need. So even though it's not as immediately urgent for you to go to an event, sometimes it's just, it's just as important for you to do that because in six months time, you met someone there that will become really, really, you know, important in your business or will fill a role or will help you with a referral or whatever it is. I've always networked, not really knowing what it's for. Even when I was at the law firm, I would go to all these extra, you know, corporate things that I didn't even think I necessarily wanted to end up in law at all. But some of them are now the bankers or the whatever that help us with our, you know, financials or they help us review certain approaches or or whatever it is. You never know who you're going to need in your tribe. So start early and start broad, I think. Yeah. Um, And that also means that you can foster relationships before you need people because I think the other thing people do is they're too blunt. And there's nothing wrong with being blunt. I, like, applaud people who ask for what they want because some of us are too shy to do it and we never get it. But at the same time, some people ask too in in just a forward, forward way that 
some people find it quite abrupt. Like they're like, yeah. wait, we don't, we don't know each other. What's in it for me? Like, where are you from? Who are you? We just met. In proposing on the first date, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I think, you know, if you really do want to get really good people who are actually invested in you as a person, you start chatting to them before you need them. You get to know who they are, what their skills are, what you could offer back to them. And then by the time you actually need them for something specific you can put together like a a measured approach like I could do this for you like what's in it for them you always have to go start with what you can do for them not what they can do for you and that's it because I think the approach is also everything but they also won't be as skeptical of you if you've met them a couple of times like I've warmed people up a lot before I've ever needed to ask them for something which meant that you know when I started the podcast I've been networking with most of the people on my podcast for like five six years before I've asked them anything yeah. So by the, by the time I'm like, oh, I would love you to be on my show. They're like, oh, you've spent five years just saying hi to me and chatting about my life or my business and not asking me for anything. So this is totally, you know, they're ready. They're, they're so excited. So I just, love that. And you've had some big names on your podcast as well. So for anyone listening, definitely, definitely. I want to talk about the podcast and the concept because I love it. It's been a <laughs> while, but uh, to stay on the topic of networking, I just think like you've really done so well there. But um can we, I guess, something, you know, the practical tips out of that. So like going to, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to events, go to events, um, go to like, you know, League of Extraordinary Women, Business Chicks, go to all those events and make it one practical thing that's really helped me is every single time I go to somewhere, I have to swap a business card or at least make a connection with someone I don't know. Like I've never met before because otherwise the industry is so small, you just end up recycling the same people. So that's a really good practical one to extend your network. Love that. Following up is a really good one as well. Like if you say to someone, oh, cool, like we'll swap something and then you just never follow it up, you could miss a big opportunity. So I often come home with all the business cards and like write down on the back of them, I, you know, she said, blah, follow this up and I'll put a calendar reminder in like a week's time, follow her up on that or follow him up on that. Okay. Um, or if I promise something in return, I'm like, I, I, I'll send you blah, then make sure you do it because you don't know what they want, might want to contact you for as well. Um, and I think also just pay really close attention. Like when you are networking with people, remember what their name is, remember what the position is that they hold, write that stuff down. If you need to like straight after an event, do it before you forget, because then you might run into them next time and think, Oh my God, you work at blah and I need blah from that company or I want to know what they think about this paper stock thickness or whatever, you know, like yeah. you just, it's just, I think information, there's information overload. Networking is really, really overwhelming. You could end up going to a million networking events and never actually getting anything out of them if you don't make a strategy around it. So yeah, yeah just keep a pen and paper on you at all times. <laughs> um, and then what would you I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today say I guess because I love all of those tips so much but I can hear the audience I don't know I have this like sixth sense that I can hear (laughs) but 
I feel so afraid of that. Like what you're saying is great, but I just, I feel like I don't have the confidence or I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. Like I feel that I don't, I'm not an expert enough to network. What would you say to someone who was maybe really starting out and those were some of the fears they were experiencing? Um, I think fear and self-doubt and nerves and imposter syndrome are one of the most common daily, uh, never disappearing occurrences for anyone in any industry really, but especially when you're going into something new. And unfortunately, but also fortunately, they never really go away. Like I still have it. I I think it's, I actually think it's a sign that you care. And the minute that you don't have self-doubt is like you're too sure of yourself. Like you're probably in your comfort zone a little bit too much. Yeah. So what I've learned to do is you just have to rip the Band-Aid. Like, unfortunately, I used to think, you know, that being uncomfortable as a public speaker, like, or, you know, being shy, like all of that stuff, of course, is some people are more shy than others. It comes more easy, easily to others. But for some things, the benefit is so great to what your business is or what your message is that you just need to just do it. You just need to feel the discomfort and do it anyway even if it never gets more comfortable for you. If you can't get out of that and just approach someone and say hi and break into a circle and trust yourself that even if you hate every minute of it, it's probably going to be good for you, then it's really going to get in in the way of you growing. And most good things that are worthy of doing do feel pretty uncomfortable the first time you do them. But the more you do them, the easier it becomes. The more you realise we're all just awkward, weird big children who, who want to break into a networking circle like you know <laughs> oh my god I love that so much and it's just a, it's it's I love that you've said that exactly the way that you said it because I, it's so easy especially when you are starting out to get caught in that everyone else's different bubble and you know all the people like Sarah or whoever are successful and so they don't go through that imposter syndrome they don't go through that fear and you just even reiterating that you still experience it to this day and that it never really goes away, I think is a really comforting thing. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I get it all the time, like every day. And it, it actually just has become a sign. Like if I don't get it, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Is, yeah. Am I not like, am I, have I become too comfortable? Am I too chill? Like, am I just coasting? That's a really good indication then that it's time to step up. I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It makes me think like, or it makes me think that I haven't invested enough in it. If I get if I ever get to a speaking gig and I'm not nervous, I'm like, I am obviously just not using new material or yeah. I'm not pushing myself to deliver something I've not done a million times over. Like I don't like to do the same speech over and over. Yeah. What if the same people are there? You know, they need to get something out of it as well. So I kind of feel like it's a good sign. It's not comfortable. It's not always pleasant, but it's a sign of doing something good. And then you just move through it. I love that. And so using imposter syndrome and fear as more of an asset, really more of a skill, more of an indication, a compass that you can follow. And if you can have that kind of sense of reframing, because emotions are always going to be there, guys, we're humans. But if you can, it's kind of in a weird meta kind of morbid way, it's the feeling and I guess the indication that you give to that emotion of fear and anxiety and imposter syndrome. It's, it's, it's how you judge it. It, That's up to you. You know, Sarah saying it's an indication for me that I need to step up. I need to grow. I need to do something more. Yet a lot of people are experiencing saying, this is not right. I need to stop. I need to turn back. And usually they do. Totally. Totally. I think it's all interpretation. Everything is just your response to something and you have a choice in every response that you that you make. And I think obviously easier said than done. It takes a lot of training to train your brain into like responding in a new way to something you haven't done before. But I think also like 
you can retrain your brain to do anything. And if you train it to love and thrive off challenge and discomfort, it, it gets that. Like I'm almost a little bit too reckless now of like, is it uncomfortable? Yes, I'm going to do it. Like, oh. <laughs> Feed me that fear, please. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Love that. Love that. So guys, give yourself permission to feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I just want to take it back if that's okay, because I think I skipped over this, but I think it would be such a beneficial kind of chat for the audience. Um, Obviously, you said that it was about six months or so before you fully went in full time into your role. But then I imagine there was still a lot of things to do prior to that while you were working, what I perceive to be quite an intensive corporate job. What's your, I guess, tips for side hustlers? How did you manage that time? And a question that I'd really like you to answer, because I love to ask people this is, what's your opinion on work-life balance? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> so I think for me, the, the side hustle thing. So when I was still at the law firm, I really want to, you know, once I realized I had something to better to jump, better to jump to, I wanted to leave. Like I, I knew I wanted to leave straight away when I was like, wow, matcha maiden and business really allows me to do unite all of my passions and all of my skills in one and make a career out of it. Like I'm ready. But while I'm on one hand, like get out of your comfort zone, make the jump, feel the fear and do it anyway. On the other hand, people need to pay bills. People might have children. There's a, there's a reality in life as well. And I don't have kids. So, you know, it was a lot easier. I didn't have a mortgage at the time, but if you did, you know, you can't necessarily make the same decisions in a vacuum and I can't necessarily give the same advice. Uh, For me, I think, it was really important for just from a cash flow perspective for me to stay in a job that had a wage for the first six months while we grew because there wasn't actually enough work for me to be full time and paying being paid for full time. You know, at the start we didn't have as many sales as we did six months in. So I could have done it in like a half day or a day or whatever it was. Um, so I think grow into it, like grow into whatever you're doing. Don't necessarily leave something that's good until you've got a little bit of a proof of concept because there are the realities of, of obligations and, and bills and stuff. Um, and also because you can juggle things for quite a long time, it's physically possible and the demands of one won't be as, as big as the other. So I literally waited until it was mutually exclusive. Like the, the day that it became impossible to do both, that's how long I waited. And I'm glad that I did that because it actually gave us capital to grow bigger than we probably would have ever been able to. And the minute that I made the decision was when I was able to say, if I say, if I stay in my law firm, I'm suddenly saying no to matrimony and growing any bigger. Yeah. So then of course it was easy. It was a much easier decision when I left it that late. Cause I was like, I'm not ready to say no to matrimony and forever. I, I've got to give it a chance because law will always be there what will always be there and what's once in a lifetime Law will always be there. Matcha could be there in another few years, but it could be really saturated in another few years. So why not just kind of give it a go? Um, And definitely in like the, in like the last probably two months when I was still at the firm, but also doing Matcha Maiden was a very sleep deprived time. It was very, very difficult to manage all of it at once. And I, did feel like I was doing everything but nothing properly. Yeah. I was like split focus. Um, and I think sometimes you just 
there are periods in your life where you just have to do that. Like work-life balance can't apply the same way that it does in other times in your life. It's just a, a phase at the beginning of the business where you do have to give a little more of yourself and you don't get as much balance, but it, it doesn't last forever. You know, at some point you evolve to the next phase. And when I went full-time, it became a lot easier to refine some kind of balance. Now I think it's really interesting. The podcast has really changed, not changed the way that I think about balance, but just helped me reflect on it a lot. And there's been so many people who are like, I just don't believe in it. I just don't buy into that as a thing. And I think the reason why is because we put so much emphasis on it that it almost makes people feel bad when they can't get it. Like it almost makes people think they need to be able to do everything well at once. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's what it is. I don't think work-life balance as a concept is rubbish. I just think people interpret it wrong. Yeah. And yes, I do think it has introduced this idea, particularly for mums. I think mums feel this immense pressure to be a good mum, a good worker, a good wife, a good friend, a good everything. And they think work-life balance makes them need to do that. And then they feel bad that they're not doing that, which is why a lot of the people who have said work-life balance doesn't exist are the working mums. Um, but what I really think is just that work-life balance is so important to talk about. It is important as a concept because otherwise we wouldn't even care at all about trying to find some kind of time for ourselves. But more importantly, it's, it's different for everyone. It is so different from one person to the next. I need more sleep than the average person. So my balance is going to involve more sleep than the, the next person. You know, Jane Liu was um, the last episode of my podcast. She only needs a couple of hours a night and has only ever needed that. And she can operate at her best without the sleep that I need. So our balances are going to look completely different. And it's not, there's no judgment there. There's no like, I have better balance than her because I sleep more. I think we, we just need to find that state where our body and our mind feel best. And whatever makes that happen in your life, that's work-life balance. Like that's your balance. Um, and that's just really juggling exercise, rest, sleep, food, health and work and yeah that balance could be 90% work 10% the rest and that's fine because some people don't need as much downtime mentally as others do and then I think as long as you find what find what does make you feel like that and then are strong enough to stick to it and not doubt yourself and compare to others other people's balance that's work-life balance if that makes sense <laughs> that makes so much sense and you've actually just blown my mind a little bit because I actually <laughs> love everything that you've said, but I was in the camp of work-life balance is crap only because I thought it was less about finding harmony intrinsically in what works for you and more about focus and attention. It felt a lot to me like it's like I have to be, say if it was in my example, if I'm the errant entrepreneur right now, I have to be the errant entrepreneur right now and nothing else matters at this point in time. But then if I go to say my parents' house for a barbecue, it's like I need to just you know, not think about my business. And it, it just, it made, it made me feel like we were compartmentalizing our lives and you had to just be 100% in this version of you and kind of disregard the rest at any one point in time. But it feels to me the way that you're saying it is a little less about this whole, you know, segmenting who we are in, in different areas of life and more just knowing who we are and being able to give ourselves what we need in any one moment. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, it's obviously taken me a long time to get to that stage and that level of understanding and, and comfort with that. But I think, yeah, I think 
sometimes balance doesn't mean being segmented between all the different areas. Sometimes it does mean that everything's a big mush of everything, but if that's fine for your body, it's fine. That is balanced. It's just being able to identify when you're out of balance and kind of restoring that. I love that so much. I love, love, love. (laughs) Obviously matcha is such a good way to bring yourself into balance. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's the only way to bring yourself back into balance. (laughs) So, so so what does, what does your, I guess I'd love to know because you know, you're a hardworking entrepreneur with a big vision. You're building a personal brand as well. What does your kind of off time look like? I'd love to know how you take time for you and how you rest and how you recharge. Um, I think I've learned over the last little while that balance for me is I can do a lot more work than a lot of people can in that, you know, I'm fine when work is a bigger portion of my life than everything else. That's okay with me. I actually really enjoy my work. I find a lot of it, especially the podcast doesn't even feel like work. That's more a hobby because it's, there's no deadlines. There's no, you know, I've set it up that way. Um, so productivity is okay with me. Uh, but I do need, you know, I used to think that it could be 100% that way, but I realized my balance needs to be a little bit more towards obviously self-care and, and self, self just, just rest and time alone and quiet time. For me, that's meant um, Sundays I have to quarantine one whole day a week where, you know, I realize everywhere in the world is on a weekend on a Sunday. So there's yeah. no excuse, you know even very like very very few urgent things can happen on that day so there's really no excuse not to put my phone down read a book do something that's completely unrelated to work and learning and obligations even if i feel like doing work i just have to ignore that even yeah. editing podcast episodes i really try and keep that day as free as i can from you know people say get off devices like yes put my devices away for work purposes but sometimes you just love to like foof around on your computer so scroll <laughs> Like, I mean, it's just a day where I don't do work and I don't try and think about learning and being a better person and like getting new skills and achieving new things. Um, And whatever it takes me to get into that mental state on each Sunday is what I end up doing. Yeah. Um, And then I've had to structure my week in a way that, you know, I, I moved from a really structured career to a very unstructured lifestyle. And that at the start was bad for me because then I went way too far work focused and didn't feel like I needed a break because, again, I don't mind when I'm working a lot, but I didn't realize I needed to preserve just a tiny bit for myself uh, and I just burnt out. So what I realized I had to do is bring a little bit of structure back into my weeks just to make sure that I was carving out that time and carving it out before I need it. Like, again, I was very reactive. I'd wait till I felt run down and then I'd take time off. But I think it's really important to put in procedures and stuff in advance, knowing what you need so that you never get too far behind yourself and one of the things I need to do for that is I love talking. Like I love people. I love helping people. I love chatting to people. I love bouncing ideas around and I love motivating people uh, and making them feel yay about life. Like I feel like that's my mission in life, but it really exhausts me as well to be people facing every day of the week. Yeah. And it's meant that, you know, we have a cafe as well. So I'm like talking to people all the time. If I don't put boundaries in, I'll just talk all week and then have nothing left. So I have, Tuesdays and Thursdays are like my meeting or talky days. And then Mondays and Wednesdays are my home days. So unless something dramatic comes up, those are the days where I'll still be working, but I, I'm working by myself or in a cafe, not talking to anyone. I'm just like doing admin or finances or the books or, you know, whatever's not energy 
pouring out into yeah. interactions. And then Friday is kind of left over for whatever needs to else be done in the week. Um, I also get, I meditate twice a day. I found that is really, really helpful to stop. You know, I get quite bad anxiety when I overdo it. So that really helps me not get too far, like not too carried away in my brain. Um, I get massages regularly, which I used to think was a huge indulgence, but I've realized now if you can find anything in your life that very quickly gets you from a like crazy connected state to a very relaxed disconnected state, if you find something that does that for you, just do it as much as you can, because it's increasingly hard to get that in this day and age. And massages does that for me. Like for the first half an hour, I'm like, And then it finally halfway through starts the slow stroke start to get me like my heart rate comes down. I start to really get into like a theta mode. Um, and that's, I can't do it that quickly with any other activity. So I invest in a really good massage, you know, every three weeks or every month. Um, yeah, just the little things. I think I have long baths. I read books. I let myself watch Netflix every day. Like, trashy terrible non-documentary netflix love it um, <laughs> and i read trashy crime books like i think you just find the things that really help you and like those all, all those ingredients like generally i'm pretty i'm pretty good i feel pretty balanced when i have all of those and sleep i need a lot of sleep oh i love it so much and and obviously every single person is different so for those listening I think the most important thing that Sarah has been able to do over time and that you should really start, you know, proactively rather than reactively is figuring out for you, what's going to give you the rest, what's going to give you the disconnect, what's going to give you the fulfillment, what's going to give you the joy, all of these things. If you can implement those and figure out what they are right from the very beginning before you actually need them and then have those a part of your practice, whether you're side hustling, whether you're entrepreneurial full time, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. But you know, what's the point of doing any of this if we're going to get to the point where we're so energetically exhausted that we can't give anything to anyone? Exactly. I think, you know, it's almost a sign of disrespect for yourself if you can't look after yourself. Having said that, I've been disrespecting myself quite a lot lately. But, um, you know, if you can't look after yourself, you can't look after anyone else either. So you might as well <laughs> get yourself right first and then you will be a better you know, friend, partner, business person, business partner, and, and, you know, to yourself, you'll be a better person. I love it. So the last thing I just want to talk about, because I love, 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 love the podcast. And I love that you said it was a hobby too, because again, that just makes it so much more charismatic to now listen to it because you can really hear the joy and everything. But um, something that I read, I can't remember if it was my assistant sent it through on your bio, was that your podcast investigates the difference between success and happiness. And I thought that was really, really interesting, particularly the word, the difference between. Can you explain a little bit more about kind of what that concept means and why that has become a part of your exploration? Yeah, I think I realized that over time I had left corporate for you know, a wellness business and expected that my own wellness would kind of exponentially increase, but the opposite happened. And over time I kept falling into that same pattern. And I was like, what is going on here? Like I left corporate to be more flexible, to have more joy and to follow my passion. And then I've just turned my passion into something that I'm just bashing myself up over again. Like the joy, I'd lost the joy in matcha by like the third year by by doing that, by being too focused on the success of it or the metrics of, of 
achievement and productivity. You know, I was just going too hard and I lost the lightness about it and I turned it into a corporate job basically. Mm. And in that process, obviously I mentioned, you know, I get quite bad anxiety that was starting to flare. And I was like, what is, what have I done? Like what, what is happening? What was the point of it all? If I can't even in a world where I can make more choices about what I do each hour of each day and I'm not even exercising that, like, what is this? And that whole process of learning to like refine the joy in matcha and how that, how to do that and how to find that in life and detach myself from the need for achievement and productivity has taught me that they're actually different. Like society is focusing all the time on what we do, what our output is, what our achievement is, what our job is, what, you know, we're goal kickers, we're goal crushers in this society. And that's great. I mean, we need to celebrate that. That is absolutely amazing. And career aspirations are a huge part of life and how we define ourselves. But it's not the totality of a person. And I think we've started to treat it that way and people have started to let themselves treat themselves that way. And then that's when you lose your joy because you get too wrapped up in, am I achieving? And even when we meet new people, it's like you pigeonhole them straight away. What's your name? What do you do? Yeah. You don't find anything else about them. You just ask what they do and then you're like, oh, cool. Oh, wow, you're kicking goals. And you don't ask them anything else. It just suddenly becomes like a work conversation. So I realized one of the big ways for me to combat that was obviously to have a, a more lighthearted and relaxed approach to you know, match it as my work, but also even if I love my work, I need to do something that's not for work. You need to have something in your life that brings back to life the person you are that's not a worker because we all have a part of ourselves that's not our job or not our function as a, you know, as a vocation. But most of us don't let that person out of the cage at all, ever. Like I didn't even know what my hobbies were when I was at the law firm because I didn't have any because I, I just was so detached that I didn't even know what I enjoyed. And I'd gotten to that point in matcha as well where I was like, I only do matcha and I love that. But at some point I'm going to have to learn what I like doing just for joy and do more of it to bring that element of joy and contrast as well back into my life. Like your ideas will get stale if you're not getting some space. So yeah, I just started to investigate the feeling of happiness and joy that's not brought on from goals and, you know, milestones, um, that's not brought on from productivity and that is from activities that are totally pointless, like puzzles. They actually achieve no thing, <laughs> you know, like, Love I had, and I had to force myself to sit there and be like, this is a worthy use of my time because it's giving my brain a rest. It's physically giving my body a rest and I'm not achieving anything. And that's fine. Like it took me a really long time. I had to do a lot of puzzles. Um, <laughs> You know, I had to stop myself listening to podcasts for a while. I had to ban them because I would only listen to learning podcasts. And I'd be like, oh, I'm resting. I'm in the bath listening to a podcast. But I'd be like, finance, business, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's not resting. So it's just been a really a big journey of separating achievement and success from happiness and fulfillment. But then being able to find a place that unites them again is also awesome. So talking to people, I wanted to talk to other people about how they'd done that. I wanted to talk to people about whether they were happy and successful or happy in their success or whether they were successful so they were happy. You know, I just wanted to know more about that interaction and understand the importance of finding yay outside of work and who people are 
I know all of them through work. So I want to know who they are outside of that. And I need ideas as well. Like I've run out of puzzles. Like what else can I do? So um, <laughs> that's how the podcast came about. And that's my activity. That has become something that I pour my whole creativity into. I do all the design, all the editing. I learned a brand new skill. I, you know, didn't know anything about audio before, but I had to set it up so that it was for pure joy. So I have no deadlines. I, I release weekly because I want to, but if I don't have an episode that week, then I just don't have an episode that week. You know, I, I don't release it on a particular day. I don't, you know, have any obligations tied to it. There's no, like, I have to interview X people. There's just like whatever kind of lines up happens, whatever questions come out, come out. You know, it doesn't, it's not about matcha. It's not about a product. It's not even health limited. You know, it's like we've had a wine company on that, you know, it's, it's whatever. Um, And that's been the most freeing thing ever is to do something that achieves. It has ended up obviously achieving quite a lot, but, to start out not caring if it did anything other than create joy for you is such a liberating experience and actually made our business a lot better because suddenly I had joy again in it. I was fresh. I had new ideas. I was like, Oh, I'm excited again. Um, And I think everyone needs that. Everyone needs to spend some time asking if they're happy and then asking how they can get more of that joy, not in their work. Yeah. Oh my God. It just, it resonates so much, not with myself, but I can just, I, I've, you know, got a lot of entrepreneurial friends and it just over and over again, this has been such a hard conversation to have with so many people. I know from my own journey, it's like, you just put everything, your heart and soul into these, you know, these accolades, these business related goals. And specifically for me, like two big ones was, um, you know, obviously reaching the hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube and then, Again, a financial. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> uh, thank you, but you know, and a financial goal in my business, which was, um, you know, at the time like fifty thousand dollars a month, and both of these for a long time were things that I worked so hard towards. And you get there, and it's like, oh, okay, like wake up, you know, what's what's different today? And something, it's funnily enough that you mentioned um, the wine episode that you did because I know it was at Justin Dry. We, yeah. I actually um, was at a. Yeah, one on one session yes the other day with Andre and um oh. he was saying something along the lines of this as well and I just think it was so profound it's like what we all think is life is what happens when we get to the accolade when we get to the goal and we're also determined to do that but as a matter of fact life is what happens on the way there and the, the analogy that he gave was you know when you uh, say for example climbing a mountain it's it's not as if you're the whole entire time it's like nothing's happening as if you're climbing the mountain like you know i hate this i hate this this sucks this, I hate this, whatever and then you get to the top and all of a sudden you're living life it's like even if you got halfway up the mountain and went back down you'd still have something to be grateful for and appreciative and the fact that you even got halfway up a mountain and i just love this whole concept of like you're saying like we have to find the things outside of the goals the accolades the direction the destination to, that's really going to make us enjoy the journey Yeah, because I mean, getting to the goal is like 1% of it. Like, and that lasts for one minute. Yeah. It's the journey that's the bit that needs to be enjoyable. But also, you know, it's not just business owners either. It's everyone, like everyone, even people who are employed in like high powered jobs or just not, not high powered jobs, like any job, it's still something that you can get totally consumed in just being a worker who goes to work and goes home. And that's like not, that's such a waste of life for anyone. Everyone has other interests and other passions and needs to be able to 
find some joy in, in the time that they aren't at work. And yeah, I think we do kind of think it almost even more so in a job because you, you know, you can switch off. I mean, not, not all jobs, but in a lot of jobs, when you're, when you clock off, you're off, whereas in a business, you're not, you know, a lot of people still don't use that time that they're off to go and do something that's joy creating, creating. I love it. Guys, figure out what makes you happy and go do it. it So much. And honestly, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours on end about this topic because I just think it's amazing, but I think it's going to benefit the listeners so much more if they actually head over to your podcast and hear the expert talk about it and (laughs) that you've had on. I just want to thank you so, 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 so much for your time today. It really has been just so profound and just validated you know, so many of the things that we need to do to make the most out of not only our entrepreneurial life, but our life in general. So guys, if you are not a follower already, or if you haven't listened to Seize the A, please, please, please go. All the links will be in the description, but we'd love to know from you, Sarah, what's up next? What's happening in the world of you that we can follow along with? Oh gosh, so much. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is we're getting married. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're trying to, I mean, trying, <laughs> there's lots of exciting things going on at the moment. So, um, you know, we've got a, we've got some new products coming out in the next couple of months. Um, you know, Easter's coming out. We've got lots of exciting things going on, but we're also really trying to just enjoy the planning process. Maybe, maybe slow down a little bit just to enjoy the wedding year, you know, I never want to look back and think I let that year pass me by because I was busy working again, like all the things that I was talking about before. It's so easy to let life pass you by while you're busy kicking goals, but you know, you get married once or hopefully you only get married once. Um, so I think next up for us is probably trying now that it's getting closer. It's in October, like starting to go down on, on some of the planning and, and enjoying of that. I love it. I love it. And guys, obviously that's going to be an amazing journey to watch, but something I must say that you need to consume of Sarah's is these daily quotes. So please do also go follow her on Instagram because trust me, they'll be profound. They'll change your life. (laughs) Thank you so, so, so much for your time today. Honestly, I myself and the community appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I honestly really do appreciate your time. I know some of these episodes can be quite long, but the fact that you've taken time out of your day to better yourself is just a shower of how successful you are capable of being because you are investing in you. So I know I am so, so inspired after each and every single one of these Game Changer Chats. I hope you're feeling the exact same way. If you'd like to connect with myself or the guest more, then please do reach out to us on Instagram and I hope you have an awesome day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.